This Week at Hope Point. Please hear me clearly. The only reason this picture of a disciple is whole and beautiful is because many parts came together to form it. And again, in 2022, it is the great longing of this church for you to realize that you cannot become a fully devoted follower of Christ without community. Whenever you see the Nike swoosh on one of their products, it immediately makes you think about the world's most famous producer of athletic wear. That's the purpose of a logo, to make you more aware of why an organization exists and to understand more clearly the vision and values of that organization. 12 years ago, Hope Point Church developed a new logo for the purpose of reminding those who attend each week what a disciple of Jesus Christ looks like. Using three arrows representing three areas in which God's Spirit works in a person's life, the mission of our church is to help people applaud God, follow Christ, and live on mission. Let's listen now as Richard speaks to us from God's Holy Word. The dictionary defines the word logo as the distinctive graphic design that promotes instant instant public awareness of an organization. In other words, a logo tells the public, this is this company. This company has certain values. This company has a certain vision. Now, no logo can explain in just looking at it, everything about that company. But the more that you become familiar with that company, you understand why they chose that logo. Well, the purpose of today's message It's called the Logo Sermon. I do it about every five years. It's to remind you of why you see that logo when you come in every single Sunday morning that's on the side of the building. It contains a beautiful message, but that message got a little bit more beautiful in December because somebody made us a beautiful piece of art, dropped it off in my office, and it had to do with our logo. Now, I walked into my office around uh, December 20th, and there was a big old package in my office and said, Merry Christmas, Pastor. And I could tell that it was like a painting. But I've been pastoring 35 years. I've received some very ugly gifts. (laughs) And I I was scared to open it. So I took it home. I didn't even open it at the office. It was heavy. I put it in my car. I wanted Lisa to be there to console me. And then so, we didn't need it, it was just the opposite. So she, when, um, when, we, um, when, we, when we got it home and took it off, it was the church logo done by an artist here in the church that's really been only a member of, the, of Hope Point for about a year. Matter of fact, her first Sunday here was our last Sunday across town um, when we used to meet uh, in the gym. And... Um, She said, I wanted to give this as a gift because my life has been saved and changed by the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ through this church. And I've discovered the purpose of life is now wrapped up in inside this, inside this logo. She said, I realized that my goal in life, my purpose in life is to applaud God and follow Christ and live on mission. And those three components are wrapped up in our logo, and that's why we have three arrows. It is a reminder that we are put on earth for the purpose of thanking God for every drop of water and food. We're to praise God for everything. That's the purpose of life is to say thank you. 
And then the down hour is that Christ, God so loved the world, he sent Jesus from heaven down into the earth to work out the will of God in our life. We're to obey him, and then the arrow to the side, of, we're, look, we're to look to the right and to the left of all the people around us who do not know that the purpose of life is to praise God, that the purpose of life is to follow Christ. And those are the reason for the three arrows and logo. We developed this logo in 2010. Um, we, went to, uh, we went to Black Mountain. The staff took a retreat, and we said, we want to have a logo our first logo was nautical. It was, a, it was a lighthouse because we said we want to be like a lighthouse for people who are lost at sea. So it was nautical. Then we said now we want to change it up and say what is a disciple? And a disciple is somebody who applauds God and follows Christ and lives on mission. And so what we do, every time you see the three hours, we want you to be able to use that as an assessment of where you are by asking three questions. This is... The up arrow with your praise. What are you reading in the Word of God or seeing through the work of God that is causing your heart to praise Him with increasing joy and gratitude? Every day should be hands up, face upward, thank you. What are you doing that's helping your praise to God? Second arrow, Christ coming down, working His will in your life. How is Christ leading you to obey him? In what areas have you seen the power of Jesus give you victory where you were once defeated? In what areas is he challenging you to release to his control? How are you following Christ? And third, our horizontal people to our right and left. In what areas of ministry and service is the Holy Spirit leading you? To help someone experience God. How is the Holy Spirit leading you to more boldly help others consider their relationship with God and place their faith in Christ? It's interesting that we talked a little bit about rice bowls today because there was a pastor from this city that traveled overseas and saw a lot of children didn't have food. Came back and told a businessman and his family, said, we can do something about that. And they started rice bowls that was the, the, the outward arrow. They looked to the right and the left said, children need to eat food. And that's how rice bowls was started. They listened to the Spirit of God. So here's your three questions in life. Am I applauding God? Am I following Christ? Am I sharing hope as the Spirit leads? That's what a disciple is all about. It's interesting. We have one God who comes to us through the three persons of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And so even the logo itself is a reminder of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit. And so we say yes to the Father. We say yes to the Son. And we say yes to the Spirit. And when you do that, you're a disciple of Christ. Now, let me tell you something. Our, our goal each week is to, is to make sure that when I tell you something that might be interesting, it's not that it's just interesting, but it's found in the Word of God. So... What I want to do is now sort of ask the question, can I prove that, that the goal in life, your first goal in life should be living for the, the praise of God? 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. There's your life statement. It's where you start in life. Everything is about 
applauding God. Now, the glory of God can be defined in various ways, but the glory of God is really his weight. If you could weigh God, weigh his wisdom, weigh his love, weigh his power, how much is God, or or just how valuable is God? How valuable is somebody who can make eyeballs? Whatever you put a number on that, that's the value, the weight, the glory of God. Let's say it this way. The glory of God is the beautiful package of God's wisdom, power, holiness, and love that creates the universe, controls history, sustains life, and redeems redeems sinners. So therefore, when the Bible says we do all things for the glory of God, it means that we're to always be thinking that God, we're to make a big deal about God because he's the biggest deal. That is the purpose of life is to enjoy loving him and thanking him, esteeming him, focusing on him, applauding him. And we use the word applaud because applaud implies delight. Not just I'm coming to sing, I'm delighting in the singing. I'm delighting in the listening. I'm delighting in the giving. I don't just give to rice bowls. I delight in giving. To glorify God means that the greatest pleasure, see, it's satisfaction. The greatest pleasure in life is to applaud God for being the source of all beauty, the source of all power, the source of all achievement, all pleasure, and all all peace. And again, we're basing this on 1 Corinthians 10, 31, do all things for the glory of God. So you might ask the question, now, are you really telling me everything I eat and drink is supposed to be an act of worship? Yep. Even last night when I was leaving this church around 8 o'clock and ordered my Chick-fil-A, number one, without pickles, riding through that drive through picking up, even the, opening the salt and the pepper, making my fries taste better again, my health food for the year, just praising God for all the gifts, money to buy it with, whether you eat or drink, do all things for the glory of God. Every breath, every benefit, every mountain, every molecule, every promise, every providence, everything has come from him. And so we gather each week for the purpose To say to God alone is my praise. And it's a delight. It's a delight to have the, to be gathering together. Someone brought us to, we've been having this crud, this upper respiratory crud that seems to affect about everybody in Spartanburg. And so, you know, there's there's two things to cure this stuff. One is augmentin and the other is chicken noodle soup. So somebody brought us some chicken noodle soup, but maybe better than the soup, they brought us a basket of fruit. And inside that basket of fruit were the biggest grapes I'd ever seen in my life. And I'm telling you, when I bit on those grapes, it was just an explosion of juice all over my face. And I loved eating those grapes. And every time I ate another grape, I just praised God. We didn't just eat grapes. We partied. (laughs) Praising God that somewhere, somewhere in the United States... God had grown those grapes on a vine and had gotten in my house. They were now in my mouth. I was having a party in my mouth. <laughs> See, well, I mentioned that we weren't feeling too good. Feeling a little bit better. Very grateful for the guys who stepped in and, 
and preached for me the past two weeks. I really couldn't have done it. I spent most of the holidays, you know, really not really doing anything, and that's fine. And because uh, it's just, a, it was a God really did make me rest. And but I feel better. I'm so glad to be with you today. And but I, I tell you what, I'm praising God for is when the body begins to recover. Is that not the best part about being sick? Is when the body begins to recover. And let me tell you what's going on in my body right now. What's going on in your body right now? Now, this is why we gather today to applaud God. Yeah, 30 trillion cells in your body right now that are working. Inside each cell of those 30 trillion cells, you got each cell has 25,000 genes. And inside each of those 25,000 genes is this blueprint manual called DNA. And that DNA, the, the reason that the DNA is inside the gene, which is inside the cell, the DNA is producing proteins, which produce everything in your body. You got bones. They come out of those proteins. Hair, eyes, ears, they're all, everything is built up of the proteins that are manufactured by the blueprint manual of, of DNA. Tugged on your earlobe lately. Somewhere, at some point in a cell, inside a gene, DNA was told, go up there and make an earlobe. That's why you have an earlobe. Unbelievable. The greatest thing you can ever do with your life is to experience the delight of thanking the Lord for all that he is fashioning together to make the world work. Every molecule in the world, every molecule in your, in your body. And so the only appropriate thing to do when a God like this does this is to thank him. It is the, we say, why, why go to church? You go to church to say thank you. I mean, hopefully every, all the six days before, but then to amplify it on day seven. Imagine this, if I'm driving down the road and my car breaks down and I'm eight miles from the next uh, exit uh, ramp and a gas station, eight miles, it's 100 degrees, I start walking and um, somebody pulls over. Now, I have to say, in between the services, Lisa came to the first service. She doesn't know what I'm going to say. So she says, I don't really like the interstate illustration. She said, I don't think I would pick up anybody in a 100-degree heat. And, and she, but she gets mad at me. I've done that. So she said, put a disclaimer. I'm not recommending this. This is a metaphor, Lisa. So I'm walking down the interstate, eight miles. Somebody pulls over. I get in their car, they take me to the exit ramp, and there's a gas station. I get out. When I open the door and I'm about to turn around, and what is the only appropriate thing that should come out of my mouth at that time? Thank you. As a matter of fact, if I choose not to say thank you, it is immoral. Like a hundred out of a hundred people, like we can't agree on anything anymore in the world. We can agree on that. To not say thank you for that car ride is immoral. It's wrong. And it's not just wrong. It diminishes your joy because your body is geared and wired in such a way by God that there's a little thank you card in there that wants to come out. And for it not to come out, you have to intentionally suppress it 
deny it and stuff it down like pushing a beach ball underwater. It wants to come out. Thank you wants to come out because it knows it should come out. Yet the majority of the world did not get up this morning with a desire to gather in a church and say to God, thank you. Not even on their register. Because they don't think that God did anything to elicit a coming to church. A thank you. Didn't give me a ride. Didn't feed me. Didn't give me a job and a mind and a body. At 33 in sales, it just happened. 33 in sales, 25,000 genes in each cell, DNA, talking to your whole body, producing proteins, just happened. Nope, not going to church to say good. Nope. And Romans chapter 1 says this would happen. For although they knew God, they knew what he did. They neither glorified him, they didn't say thanks to him. I remember watching the election returns uh, about six years ago when Vladimir Putin was running for president for the oomph time in Russia. And, um, <clears throat> you know, you sort of had the feeling he's probably going to win. <laughs> and, but they made this whole big deal on who's going to win. And um, <clears throat> he said, I guarantee you win. And so then I watched his acceptance speech, which I thought was incredibly arrogant. He had nobody to thank above. Didn't even cross his mind. That's what he said. We proved that no one can force anything on us. I promised you we would win and we won glory to Russia. And he believes that with all of his heart. And I want to tell him, no, 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 Mr. Putin. If those 33 in cells and the genes and the DNA were not working right, you would not even have enough strength to lift your finger to vote for yourself with a pencil. Not even enough power to hold up a pencil. And that's why the reformers came up with that, all the solas in life, and they said, sola de gloria. Glory to God only. Now, out of all the things that we could glorify God for, our highest motivation is to glorify him, to thank him for what he's done through Jesus Christ in removing sin in our heart. No better way to start this year off than with old faithful. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have life eternal. For God did not send Christ into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through his son. So we applaud God for many things. DNA, hair, Chick-fil-A, grapes. But the thing that causes us to clap most loudly and wildly and vigorously for is Jesus. That he would have come down from heaven, laid in that manger, lived a perfect life so that he could die on a cross and absorb our sin into his perfect body 
and destroy death by the power of his death. And then place his spirit in our body to, that we would never be alone. Last week I was reading the book of Matthew. You know, we preached the book of Matthew during Christmas. We looked at all of the events leading up to the birth of Christ while I was reading what happened after that. In chapter 3, it just sort of skips 30 years. Jesus is born and all of a sudden the next thing you know, he's introducing himself to the world as the Savior and he does it in an interesting way. He chooses to be baptized. There's a bunch of people getting baptized and Jesus goes out to join them. This is what Matthew chapter 3 says. People went out to John from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. So this is a beautiful picture. You got thousands of people. A revival happened. They realized that they had, they had failed God. Just like you realize at times you failed God. They realized and they were coming and they were walking into the dirty Jordan River to say, my life has become unclean. And I want to confess my sin to God. And and there was Jesus Christ who had never committed a sin, was being baptized with them. It's a real odd picture. But he was doing that to say, I am with you in your sin, to forgive you and not condemn you. That's why he was there. And heaven had a statement that it wanted to make about this incident. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So God looks at his Son standing in the water and, and said, I love you and I'm proud of you. Well... I'm 61 years old. I've been reading the Bible. I started reading the Bible when I was about 19. I didn't read it much before then. I was a, I was a sophomore at Clemson. I started reading my Bible. And so I've been reading the Bible a long time. I didn't know this verse in Matthew was actually a quote from the Old Testament. I just thought it was a, a, a father loving his son at, at a baptism service. But it's actually from the book of Isaiah because the book of Isaiah says that three, three different times that the way that you'll know that the Messiah has come, been sent from heaven, the anointed ruler from heaven on earth, is that the Holy Spirit would come upon him. And that's how you know that's the Messiah. And Isaiah chapter 42 talks about Jesus' baptism when the Holy Spirit comes upon him. I didn't know any of that. Here's Isaiah 42. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. So that's 700 years before Jesus was born. God was already saying, this is what I'm going to say. This is a speech I'm going to make when he's baptized. This is my chosen one. I love him. Then we get to talk about the Spirit. Remember, because the Spirit came upon Christ at the baptism. Isaiah 42, 1, I will put my Spirit on him and he'll bring justice to the nations. Well, this is just, you know, beautiful. This is the best hope we got in all the world. This is what we're longing for right now, the return of Christ, um, where he will absolutely judge every act of injustice that's ever been done in the history of the world, and he's going to bring justice. And we want him to bring justice, 
But there's a lot of people between now and then that say, you know what, I've done a lot of sinning in my life. I would like some mercy. I don't want him to just come with justice. I need mercy. Will he have mercy on me? Or is he just going to treat me with justice? Is he just going to throw the law at me? Because the law is important, isn't it? You just don't throw away the law. Or is it some mercy? Look what Isaiah says. A bruised reed he will not break. Let's talk about one of those straw, straw reeds at the water's edge that sometimes gets broken by the wind. People would make flutes out of them. So a bruised reed, he won't throw it away. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. The wick's not burning right. He's going to make that candle burn. He's not going to throw it away. So when we talk about following Christ, this is why we talk about, this is part of our values. The reason that we follow Christ is he does not throw away broken people. This is why we come to church. This is why we say it's a value. We applaud God for every molecule and all that, but we also applaud God that he sent Christ so that broken people would have a chance to be rebuilt. Let me tell you about this piece of art, the reason I love the logo done this way. As soon as I got it, I wrote the woman who did it. I said, would you please tell me about it? And she said, well, um, she said, I, I moved here a year ago. I, you know, I attended the first service with, at, at, at your old meeting place and And it was in this church that my broken life, God pieced back together. So I wanted, I wanted to make a, I want to make a piece of art out of a bunch of pieces of wood. Because that's what he did for me. So she said, I got four old pallets. And um, I just ripped them with table saw. And she's obviously very talented. And, and I just want to tell you that this is a picture of a disciple of Jesus Christ. 10,000 or 100,000 million broken moments in your life that God pieces together to form beauty through Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is. A broken person that has been saved by Jesus Christ and not thrown away. Nothing in your before life can stop God from loving you and cleansing you and changing you and using you. God will not give up on anybody who wants to be a disciple of Christ. He can change anyone who wants to be changed. And listen, even while God is changing you, you're going to fall so many thousands of times while he's changing you, and he's still not going to give up on you. You have no right to give up on yourself when God has said, I will not give up on you. There are going to be so many times in your life where you feel like God has given up on you 
And you need to understand the operative word in that statement is, you feel like it. The most unreliable thing you can ever encounter in your life is your feelings. What is real is God pieces broken people back together. So it doesn't matter how you feel about God's love. It's as real as he is real. So all you got to do is every time you fall, you get up and you start walking back toward Jesus and he's going to accept you every time. The only person that he cannot fix or the, is the person who says, I don't want to glorify you. I don't want to say thank you. I don't want to surrender my sin to you. I don't have sin. I don't have a need for you. But the person who confesses for the 10,000th time that they've fallen again, Jesus will continue the disciple-making process at that very moment before the prayer is even out of their mouth. A disciple is someone who says yes to Christ. Look at Jesus himself really models for us what a disciple is. Jesus said, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So when we talk about glorifying God, it's not just praising God with these uplifted hands and these, you know, these, um, these, 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 the voices that are filled with music and songs. We glorify God by honoring him by doing the very thing that he wants us to do. It's obedience. I mean, look how Jesus demonstrated his love for God, not just by praising, but by obeying him. I have brought you glory by what? Doing the work. I mean, think about it. Jesus did not believe he needed to come to earth. He walked on earth. He did not believe he needed to walk in the Jordan River. He walked in the Jordan River. He did not believe he needed to go to the cross. He walked to the cross. He did not say, I can. I believe I can walk out of the grave. He walked out of the grave. So when we talk about what is a disciple? This is why the operative word in our, our second arrow is following Christ, not believing. We made sure we did not use the word believe. Because the Bible says right now that everything that I'm saying is believed by the demons of hell. They believe it all, but none follow him. The demons believe that Christ is who he said he is. The problem with the church in the West is it has far more believers than followers. And a mere believer is not a disciple. If you're not following Christ, you do not belong to Christ. You merely believe in Christ. So we don't just glorify God with our praise. We glorify God with our glad obedience. Let's go back to the illustration that my wife doesn't like. I think my wife would leave me stranded on the interstate. So this guy um, gets a ride. This nice man picks him up, takes him to the exit. The guy gets out. When he gets out, he turns around, and after he says thank you, the driver of the car says, hey, listen, I've been on the road for about three days, and 
I've been through Chick-fil-A a lot lately. I got this bag of trash here. Could I give you this trash? And when you walk to the gas station, would you put it in the, in the trash can? Again, I'm asking you, what is the only appropriate response at that time after that guy gave you a ride for eight miles? Not just to say thank you, but yes, I'll do what you asked. With joy. And again, to not do it, to not take that trash would be immoral. Wrong. So to live for God's glory means to live for his honor in our praise and our obedience. Well, this brings us to the third component of discipleship. <clears throat> and that is the, this arrow. I don't think I have my picture up here, but yeah, there are my guys. Thank you, camera guys. So grateful for their work. So this is the third component of a disciple is to look outwardly and to ask the question, what can I do with my life that will help other people know God and place their faith in Christ? Because you know the world, remember the verse we read earlier? Let's look at that, let's look at that verse again. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him. So our calling in life is to tell people, no, no, no. No. There's only one God who has saved us through his only son. And there is no other way but to, to live, but you'll never find satisfaction in life or salvation from God, but to say thank you to him. So our message in life is to tell those people, they got to know. They have to know that about God. Do you know why these individuals are not giving glory to God? Why they're not saying thank you to God? Because they're saying thank you to somebody else. And, and Romans tells us. They have exchanged the glory of God for images or idols that are basically shaped like people or animals or birds. If you're not living for the glory of God, you're an idolater. You're, you're giving your praise to maybe your own strength or your finances or your company or your, your pathway. This is what these people were doing. And so that's why the third component of discipleship is to go throughout all of the world and tell them the only appropriate response in life is to give glory to God for all that he's done through Jesus Christ. Which is the reason I'm wearing this shirt today. People must know. This, is, this grips the heart of a disciple. People must know who to give glory to. They must know. And this phrase obviously is not, you know, original with us. We, we grabbed it off of that great movie that I hope you're starting to watch now. You can download it from the app store on your phone the, the, the series about the, the, the dramatic series on the life of Christ called The Chosen, the best little mini series I've ever seen in the life of Christ called The Chosen. You download the app on your iPhone, The Chosen app. Start watching it. But at the end of the first movie, we saw the shepherd who was told that the Messiah had been born. So if you hadn't seen anything from it, it's just 18 seconds. I just want you to 
hear the shepherd interact with Mary and Joseph. What were you living? Jesus. We're going to name him Jesus. We must go. People must know. People must know. People must know. I hope that 2022 for you will be you will have such a profound awareness that that was the Son of God standing in the water of the Jordan River and the Son of God on the cross. The Son of God coming out of the empty tomb, destroying death. That you will say, the ambition of my life is that people will know about that Savior. People must know. People must know. I got a friend of mine that's here in this service. He wrote a pretty cool thing on Facebook this week. I didn't ask him, could I use it? <clears throat> I wrote him on Facebook. I said, I liked it. <clears throat> and then when I reread it last night, I said, I'd like it a little bit better if, it had a, if I could change the words a little bit. So I did. <laughs> if that's okay with you, David. All right. But David Sullivan wrote this. I thought it was phenomenal. Jesus is our refuge, our strong fortress. He's our redeemer who leads us and sets us free. His love is unfailing. He stores up goodness for those who revere him. He preserves the faithful. He hears our cries for mercy. He hides us in the shelter of his presence. He shows us his wonderful love. He is our hope. People must know. I love the words, but the reason why I really loved his Facebook post is that David put those words with, uh, with this picture. David and I were standing a few years ago in this um, market in South Asia. And uh, we sat there just, I mean, we had traveled a couple times together to this area of the world, but we were just blown away by all the people. Just they would not stop coming and coming and Everybody in that market needs to know about what we're talking about today. And it's going to take everything in your life to make that happen. I mean, you got to stop playing around. This half church attendance, half obedience, or whatever, whatever you're doing that's halfway, you just signed a card that says, God, don't use me in 2022. A disciple is somebody who lives for the applause of God and follows Christ and lives on mission, and it's all or nothing. Amen. People must know. People must know. Well, you say, well, I can't travel to that market. I, and you're exactly right. I mean... And God has called you to do a lot of other things that the reason why you give to places like Rice Bowls and this church and all that is because you work so hard during the... But you're right. God may not be calling you to that market. God may be calling you down the, just down the road to Barksdale to the, to the dear team that serves there every Monday to the inner city. 
to bring safety and security and hope to the children there. And there's a thousand stories like that in the city. So you just need to look to the right and to the left and say, who is it? You know, where's the Spirit of God telling them? Well, for, you know, for me this week, it was Tex. That's the guy. Not, not like, send a text, like a, a guy named Tex from Houston. Perfect name, isn't it? I mean, if you're from Houston, what name's got to be Tex. My daughter had a bad leak in a, inside her wall in, um, in her home in Columbia. And I mean, I knew I couldn't fix it. Um, so, but I could go down there and just sit with, open her home up and just sit with the guy while he's fixing it. And, and I could tell when I was talking to him, it's pretty easy. You can tell when you're around people, this is not going to be an easy, um, there's not going to be a big open door for this guy. Like he's hard. He's not going to open that door. And uh, he didn't bite on anything. So when he left, I thanked him for his work. I said, text before you go. Could I, uh, could I lead us in prayer? And I wish you could have seen that look. So I, it was a short prayer. I said, God, I thank you for sending texts to fix something I couldn't fix. And God, I thank you for sending Jesus to fix things in Texas life and my life that we can't fix. Amen. See you, Tex. So you look to the right or to the left and how you're to serve. I don't know how you're supposed to serve. But all I know is that we're going to live with this statement in 2022. Plumbers must know. Plumbers, no, 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 no. People must know. People must know. That's where we're headed, 2022. I hope you're part of that. That's what a disciple thinks about all the time. Who doesn't know that needs to know? So let me wrap things up by saying this. There's one other reason that I love this piece of art today. And uh, it's because of how many pieces of wood it takes to make it. Four pallets. She said she ripped them all with like a table saw and then sanded them, shaped them, nailed some, glued some, until she got the design exactly as she went, and used all sorts of different colors of palettes to represent all the colors, all the nations, all the nationalities, all the people that need to know in the world, all the broken people. But what I really love about this is how many pieces of wood it takes to make a disciple. My point is, this is the way the Holy Spirit has designed the church. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Listen, if this girl had left the, all that wood on those pallets, it would have been nothing just thrown away. Even if she'd have taken them apart and just laid them around, they wouldn't have. It was her choice to put it into this design. But 
Please hear me clearly. The only reason this picture of a disciple is whole and beautiful is because many parts came together to form it. And again, in 2022, it is the great longing of this church for you to realize that you cannot become a fully devoted follower of Christ without community. Coming here on Sunday morning and just living your life on your own and just not having people to surround you this afternoon at 4 o'clock, which has become for me a completely inconvenient time to meet with a, a, a community group. I'm tired, but it's a great group. And I walk into that house at 4 and I get energized and no, really, it's a great group. But that's, that's what's working out for Lisa and me. Four o'clock on Sunday. You've got to find a community group. You've got to find somebody to be in community with. All the pieces of the church come together to form a disciple. Oh, we want to help you find a group so badly. And I don't know what a group's going to look like for you. There's men who meet on, on Wednesday morning, Thursday morning. There's people, they meet at night. Women meet at night. It's not to be a, well, not to burden you. I want to just remind you it takes a lot of, you, a lot of people pouring into your life and a lot of you pouring into a lot of, who are you? You got to pour into a, you were born to pour into a lot of people's lives. And you need a lot of people pouring into your life to become this. You get alone and you are dead. Oh, we want to help you. And let me tell you what we really want. So let me just remind you again, just so you can sort of see how, where we are this year. This is what we're going to look. This hopefully what we'll look like this year. Worshiping God, obeying Jesus, witnessing to the world while in community. Now here's the challenge. February 22nd. We have, right now we got about 60 people that are saying, uh, we want to join the church and we want to be in community. We're a little bit behind the eight ball right now on having enough leaders. <laughs> we got so many people coming right now saying, I'm into this. I want to be part of all this wood that's come together. February 22nd, we want to do sort of a, just a crash course on just trying to fill you with confidence that you, that's the one thing that God has made clear about Hope Point Church. He's sent so many people with leadership skills here, so many leaders among us. You're ready and you don't know it. You're ready to host a group. It might be just two of you, like two families. Y'all get together and you say, what do I do? Well, today this is what you would do. You would open your home and, uh, and then you'd go down on, the, on our phone and you would look at the, the discussion questions off of this sermon. And you would ask the people who came to your house, what do you think uh, the pastor meant when he said, or how can we do this? And then you're the leader of the group by doing that. But February 22nd, we'll give you more help. We're not going to leave you alone. Never forsake you. <laughs> but we think you can lead. We want to see more leaders. February 22nd, we're going to do a crash course on, on how easy it is to use the sermons to help lead a fun discussion and then it's going to be the greatest time of your life, getting to know people that you wouldn't otherwise see. So are you going to say this year, yes to God, with, to all that He is, with all that you are? You want to become a more fully devoted follower of Christ than anything else? I want to become a disciple this year, a true disciple. And maybe would you consider risking a little bit, opening your home, 
Even if you're not the leader, just you provide the place. And having two, three, four couples in your house and y'all enjoying this kind of stuff together. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast from Hope Point Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. If you would like to learn more about us or give to this ministry, please go to our website at hopepoint.org. We hope you can join us again next week.